Welcome to Power Search from the Center for Industrial Progress. It is Thursday, June 26th, 2014. I'm Alex Epstein coming at you from Orange County, California, joined by Stefan Hen from Germany. Stefan, where in Germany are you from? Uh, it's a state of northern Australia, which is in the western part of Germany. It's a um, midwestern part. I think most of us would be embarrassed by how little we know about the geography of Germany. Uh, anyway, welcome. Thank you. Um, all right, so we'll go through our usual, usual three or four stories today. We'll try to blend the first two into one. I'll, I'll, I'll focus on this one, and then Stefan can do the other two. So it's, it's just the, I mean, every day doing this show, I, I see so acutely how much... Uh, how much ridicule uh, combined with bad thinking and bad assumptions are involved in this whole uh, climate issue. So we have uh, at the League of Conservation Voters, President Obama says uh, he characterizes people with, say, my position of not agreeing with his policies as saying, quote, no, I don't believe anything scientists say, unquote. That's, a, that's quite a summary. And then, and then he says, um, well, also, you know, folks will tell you climate change is a hoax or a fad or a plot, a liberal plot. Well, there's a plot involved. But the main thing is that it is a uh, completely undefined threat, as we've talked about many times, a huge part of this whole scam. So the scam is not that, that, everyone is making up that man has an impact on the climate. The scam is that that is being equated with a catastrophe and being used to justify uh, the deprivation of energy for 7 billion uh, people. So this is this whole idea of they're being accused of making something up. Um, that's not exactly the issue. They're, they're, it, but they are manipulating. So it is, it is, to manipulate people's thinking, and he's clearly doing that. He says, quote, I'm not a doctor either, but if a bunch of doctors tell me that tobacco can cause lung cancer, then I'll say, okay, it's not that hard. Did anyone point out that Obama smokes, by the way? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, last time I checked. Uh, anyway, but this is, are you kidding me? A bunch of doctors tell you X can cause Y, and you say, Okay, before the show, we were talking about the recent example of the, the ulcer uh, connection. You know, is it caused by stress? Is it caused by bacteria? And how there seems to be a major change in that. But what about you know, during the Middle Ages, bloodletting? You know, bloodletting will cure you. Okay, just just say, uh, okay. So see my article, uh, The Unscientific Consensus. And when, when we post it, I have to make sure to, uh, to link to it. So going a bit out of order here, but this is just... You know, this is just pure uh, appeal to authority, which is really uh, just dogmatism. And just this as a method is so inappropriate for anyone, let alone you know, the president of a free country. And instead of saying, look, I understand, there's very, very valid concerns by the opponents of my policies. They, they properly value energy, but I think that there are these negative consequences that uh, outweigh even those benefits, and I want to try to minimize the damage. If you said that, then you can have a discussion. But this kind of thing is just pure uh, propaganda. And then there's, I mean, to give you another, so there's, there's this, this contempt for human intelligence, which I, I hope is not 
uh, at least the present thinking ability of the American public, which I hope is not, not justified. Um, there's also also EU, EU study claims that you know if no further action is taken and global temperatures increase by 3.5 degrees Celsius, climate damages in the EU could EU could amount to at least 190 billion euros, net welfare loss of 1.8 percent of its current GDP. Heat-related deaths could reach about 200,000. Now let's let's just focus on heat-related deaths because this is this shows how um, fabricated all of this this stuff is. So just think in common sense: what is going to happen if it starts getting warmer? What are we going to do? Well, we're going to take action to make sure that we maximize if a any benefits so many you know minnesota they'll probably be dancing in the streets um but any places that get you know too hot for people's liking you know over time in a hundred years or so which is more or less the time frame we're talking about people would would migrate maybe but really you know we people hot temperatures are much less of a problem than cold temperatures or you know you'd, your air condition you know you'd use more air conditioning you'd use uh, materials in your home that protect you more from heat. And this is not just speculation. If we look at what are the safest places from heat-related deaths, there are places like Miami, there are places like Arizona, um, which have the hottest temperatures. So we know as a matter of technology, we know 100% that human beings are amazingly good at adapting to heat. And yet this quote-unquote study says that it'll be 200,000. And it's just a fabrication. Um, and it can be hard to, part of the reason I stress this, because it can be hard to believe that all this stuff is, is fabricated, but you have to remember that in mo at most points in history, most of the stuff people believe um, turns out not to be true. And part of the reason is it's very hard to think well about these things, <coughs> particularly if you're not a specialist. And then um, you know, it's just hard to, hard to be precise. It's hard to be big picture, factor in all the evidence. Um, but... You know, as a consumer of this, you need to, and one thing is just, one thing to always remember that I'd stress in the case of the heat-related deaths is always factor in human ingenuity. How is human ingenuity going to respond to a current thing? And this, this kind of study has, is, believes implicitly in two things. One is human stupidity. So human beings will not be able to intelligently deal with the situation. And two is uh, human innate evil, because really... There's not nobody knows what's going to happen if you had that kind of increase of uh, of temperature. For all I know, it could be very good. Uh, but there's this assumption that if human beings did it, a it must be really big and massive, which I don't think there's any evidence for. But b that it must be uh, really bad. Notice they don't say, well, there'll be these harms, but also these benefits. No, it's all harms, and that that is a dogmatic, that is impossible. There could only be harms from any kind of systematic large change. And that, that just means that there's a bias. And I've talked about this, where man-made changes are regarded as bad, non-man-made changes are regarded as good. So the, the human race is the only race that it's bad uh, if it changes things. And so I call this human racism. So always look for human racism, and then always look for the uh, ignored human ingenuity. And, and I think you'll see a lot of these things in a new light. Uh, all right, Stefan, anything on that before the next story? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the European Commission is certainly uh, riding the news cycle with this. Um, they probably speculated that when President Obama and the U.S. administration are 
doing this kind of reports, um, then probably their report might have a little more impact on the news cycle. And uh, yeah, these numbers are, of course, completely speculative. Um, there's no empirical evidence that these 3.5 degrees uh, C will ever manifest in any time range. Uh, and yeah, the other numbers are just like this uh, risky business report. They're just speculations about things that might happen in 50 or 100 years. It's completely arbitrary to put a euro or dollar number on any of the damages and think there will be no adaptation and speculate about the technology available then. So it's completely pulled out of thin air. Yeah, we could <coughs> give even more uh, critical characterizations. But uh, anyway, next story. All right, Stefan, what do you want to talk about? Um, yeah. Uh, actually, a story from New Mexico, um, the New Mexico Oil and Gas Association and some uh, so-called watchdog groups uh, that oppose fracking in the state um, both agree uh, that there should be rules about testing of water wells before fracking operations can begin. Um, and the reasons uh, are, of course, different. The oil and gas industry uh, wants to have a you know, baseline of water quality regionally so they can show that their operations aren't actually harming the water supply. And the watchdog groups um, want some data so they can um, link any change in water quality to uh, oil and gas drilling operations. Um, yeah, we'll see how that develops. But um, interestingly, uh, there are counties in New Mexico that outright banned oil and gas drilling operations um, like this Mora County which in 2013 banned oil and gas drilling and uh, this county has less than 5,000 residents but uh, there hasn't even been exploratory drilling so they don't even know whether there's potential or not. All right well yeah I mean one one thing I like about this story is just that it's important to not take for granted that nature gives us clean water. So to have objectivity about, okay, what's the default state of these things should give people an appreciation for um, the, what, what really matters, um, which ultimately is having, having enough technology to uh, clean the water and test the water and make sure that you have clean water. So the, the focus on industry as the enemy of clean water is, is exactly uh, inverted. You had one more story, right? Uh, yeah, just one uh, addition to that. It's interesting that people didn't consider testing the water wells before because we know that uh, natural contamination is quite common and possible. So, again, nobody fears natural contamination, but everyone fears uh, industry com uh, contamination even before it ever could happen. Um, yeah, the next story is uh, discretionary regulation rulings. And uh, this is related to U.S. Uh, oil exports. Um, and apparently there have been some forms of crude oil. Um, the most common is named condensate by the industry, um, which have been shown up in recent years uh, by shale operations. Um, and these oil, uh, crude oil um, types cannot be easily refined within the United States. And so... Um, some companies have actually called the Department of Commerce 
to get a permission to export these. Um, as you might know, uh, back in the 1970s, uh, after the Arab oil embargo um, regulation was put in place to ban companies from exporting crude oil from the United States. And uh, this was, well, it was uh, meant to increase energy security by keeping all the crude oil within the United States. And um, of course, this is some uh, rather absurd thinking in economic terms about energy security. Um, um, in my view, uh, the international trading and free market approach is the most secure energy uh, supply policy. Um, yeah, no, um, the more interesting point about this is that there's a crude oil export ban in place by law and um, the Department of Commerce or even the subdivision of that can just uh, give out permission to export a specific type of crude oil just by using some uh, some exception because this type of crude oil only needs a little uh, refinement to be transported. So it's a sort of a loophole in this regulation and uh, the administration can in a discretionary way decide that the law doesn't apply here. Yeah, although I wish it would always, I mean, given, you know, the options, I wish it always decided that, although the yeah. <laughs> Obama administration vowing to end the tyranny of oil uh, can't be expected to do that. Yeah, and the point about energy security is important where what what gives us security of energy supply is as many options as possible, which means, uh, you know, and, and and part of part of the security is security of affordable supply. So you want you want as much, uh, you know, as much freedom of domestic production, and then as much freedom of international production, and then as much freedom of uh, of trade and efficiency. So if we don't have enough refining capacity here, and it makes more sense to refine some of the crude somewhere else, then that's what should happen. The idea that we're going to, you know, that it makes sense to just hold a bunch of crude oil here without the ability to refine it, that, that gives us less, uh, you know, less crude oil. And then it's also just the, the whole issue of condensate and is that crude oil, how, how is that classified? It's part of how there's not just this one thing oil, there are many, many types of oils and ultimately they're hydrocarbons and liquid hydro, you know, more broadly liquid, or more narrowly liquid hydrocarbons. And you know, we need to think of, there's many reasons to, to think of them as oils or liquid hydrocarbons in, in different varieties, uh, including that just, there's, a, to go back to the human ingenuity point, there's ways of transforming one to another, there's ways of transforming gas to liquid, there's ways of transforming coal uh, to liquid, and Again, we have an issue where the role of human ingenuity is not really understood, and there's just this fear of we. There's only a certain amount of quote-unquote crude oil, and we need to keep all of it. And uh, yes, yeah, so it's the the ingenuity and um, of producing this stuff, and the ingenuity devaluing the ingenuity of of trading it uh, maximally. Any final thoughts, Stefan? No, I just think that uh, you know this; these export bans should actually be abandoned immediately. There's no reason uh, to restrict the 
export, the export will only take place if it makes economic sense. Um, and on the other hand, you know, it's interesting that this administration um, is allowing this export of condensate or other oil products. On the other hand, it's delaying um, projects like Keystone XL, which certainly would increase energy security in, for the U.S. Yeah, good point. I didn't even that that, that didn't even come to mind in this this story, but it definitely should. All right, thanks, Stefan. Thank you for having me. All right, just uh, I'll I'll add my usual power hour close here, just so that uh, people um, can get in touch with us. Uh, whether, as I like to say, if you have questions, comments, love mail, or hate mail, you can reach me at alex at industrialprogress.net. Uh, you can reach Stefan at Stefan at industrialprogress.net. Stefan is S-T-E-F-F-E-N. Alex is A-L-E-X. Um, and if you haven't, make sure to get your copy or 10 of The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, which you can just get by going to Amazon, searching for The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. You can uh, pre-order. And we will uh, talk to all of you tomorrow.